conspiracy, what do you believe? Hi, welcome to Conspiracies, What Do You Believe? We hope everybody had some, a great Christmas and are having a happy new year. This here is the first episode of 2019 and it's our third episode and it's the Majestic 12. The Majestic 12 is a code name of a supposed secret committee. It was made up of scientists, military and government officials. They are a secret committee of 12. They were formed in 1947 by President Truman by executive order and the committee was formed for the recovery and investigation of UFOs. This briefing was given to President Eisenhower when he came into office. You can find this information on the FBI website under Briefing Documents, Operation Majestic 12, dated 18 November 1952. The documents were labeled Magic Eyes Only, M-A-J-I-C. These documents were supposed to be true. All other classifications, example MJ-12, Magic 12, are supposed to be false. This is the most secretive of all intelligence agencies, including the CIA and the NSA. The committee is supposed to be two levels higher than top secret, and they report only to the president. So, is Majestic 12 worldwide? Do they have ties with other countries? Well, it makes you wonder. I mean, the way the government has bases and everything else in all other countries. I mean, if they're keeping an eye on the aliens, why wouldn't they? Because, I mean, you'd want to know if any other countries having visits with aliens, too. True. Alright. Then you got the magic, M-A-J-I-C, like previously said, that these files were supposed to be the only true ones, but it's a military assessment of Joint Intelligence Committee. They are to be the highest security classification. They are what is called Magi-controlled. And J1 is the designated number of the director of the CIA. And each member is designated J1 through J12. Okay, the Magi was originally known as Majestic 12, and they're a group of 12 members, as stated before. And this is probably a cover name. And it probably continues today, and they probably have ongoing interaction with aliens. So if it was back then, it probably is now. Oh yeah, I mean, why would you just give up on something like that? I mean, that would make no sense. Uh, you'd want to make sure everything goes the way you want it. Now we're at where we got, it's called NSC 541. We don't know if this is a directive number, a briefing number, memo, or what. But what we found out, it's... It was established a permanent committee known as the Majestic 12, so that probably could be the um, executive order, Truman. Could be. But, I mean, we don't know. Nope. Haven't found nothing on it. Um, the only other thing, like the NSC, you know, does it stand for the National Security Council? When it's, it, it is security, I mean, we it's, it is dealing with aliens, so I would probably think it does, but again, I don't know. But... And then there's a NSC 5412-1, which was created to explain the Majestic 12 meetings to Congress and news media when they become curious. The only thing is, I've never seen anything from the news or media that was supposed to come from this. Yeah, but that was before you were born, though. But we, we should have found something about you, it. You think there would have been documentations about it or something if something has came out. To me, this honestly just feels like it could be the disinformation. Yeah, something. it could. And has there been anything in the news about this? Again, we don't know. And has this been reported to Congress or is it just other disinformation? I mean, if it was reported to Congress, it doesn't actually mean that they would tell us right. if it was It could not. be in a secret meeting or whatever. Okay, we have some people of interest, and I'm not sure how to say these people's names, but bear with me. Jamie Shandria was a documentary filmmaker. William Moore was UFO researcher. 
Stanton Friedman, UFO researcher, General George C. Marshall, he was Army Chief of Staff and he won the Nobel Prize in 1953. Then you also got Franklin Delano Roosevelt, of course, he was a president during World War II. Dr. Bush, he was the former director and member of the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, also the National Defense Research Committee, Office of Scientific Research and Development, and he closely worked with FDR. Out of all the people we have looked at on this, he had the most roles. Yeah. Like, he was, like, involved in everything. Yep. Um, let's see, we even got Albert Einstein, of course, 1921 winner of the Nobel Prize in Physics, and he also worked on the atomic bomb, along with J. Robert Oppenheimer, which is the father of the atomic bomb. And he was mentioned a lot in the research we had. Oppenheimer. Yeah, some of the papers. Yeah. But that's if they were true or not. So, I mean, if they are, then yeah, he, he had a big role in a lot of the alien conspiracy parts. Um, let's see, Harry S. Truman, president in 1945, briefed on atomic bomb program and the Majestic 12. Richard Doty, he is an ex-CIA agent for the AFOSI, which stands for the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. He was supposed to have been the first one to leak information on Majestic 12. He was ordered to give information to UFO researchers. So, in retrospect, he's the one that um, started the whole disinformation, trying to get everybody to discredit everything, which perfect thing for the government to do. Um, you know, like I just said, he created this different this information, and this lasted for years. I mean, even to this day. I mean, yeah, you, you don't know what's true. Yeah, what's not. there there's so much disinformation mixed in with stuff that's supposed to be true. You don't know what what to believe anymore. That's why, you know, it's up to you to decide what you feel is true or not. Um, Linda, I think it's Molten Howe. She was a re UFO researcher, and she was the person Doty gave information to. He promised to give her more information, but never did. And then Brian Dunning, which he was a, a writer. Okay, Jamie Shandria was given information in December of 1984. He was given two rolls of undeveloped film. The film contained briefing report of the Majestic 12 to Eisenhower. It was about the Roswell crash and the cover-up in 1947. The film contained eight pages in reference to four human-like beings found near the crash site. They were different than we were bio bio biologically Biological. and evolutionary. All were dead and badly decomposed as well as scavengers causing damage. The unknown person who leaked the information waited two weeks after the last member of the Majestic 12 died. I mean, there on information like that, it seems more plausible because you know they waited till all the members were dead before they released everything because if you released it while it was alive who knows what would have happened to you yeah but then how do you know it's really true because uh, there's nobody here to verify it but if you think about most people come out with all these you know UFO sightings or this and that or something about the government or company or whatever on usually on their deathbed but I guess this was a little better than a deathbed because he still remembered it and he just waited till they were all dead. Okay, then William Moore and Stanton Friedman. Friedman helped in the investigation on these documents. And at the June 14, 1987, 24th Annual Conference in Burbank, California, they presented their findings from the investigation. Now, here is some information on the memos, committees, and important dates from that time frame. On February 1944, a secret memo from FDR. It calls for a special committee on non-terrestrial science and technology. Earth isn't the only planet with intelligent life. Uh, crash of a UFO near Cape Garado, Missouri in 1941. When a preacher was called to give last rites, he thought he was giving them to victims of a plane crash. But on further investigation, he found they were not human. He was told to keep this incident secret. Reverend William Huffman's granddaughter released the information when she received it from her grandmother 
on her deathbed. February 27, 1942, a memo from FDR to General George C. Marshall. It directs Marshall to go ahead with the plans regarding atomic secrets learned from studying UFOs. He authorized Dr. Bush to proceed with the project. If this memo is genuine, a UFO was recovered and examined, and this memo has rating on an authenticity scale. The IPU, the Interplanetary Phenomenon Unit, was formed in 1942, deactivated in the late 1950s. Supposedly, it was never reactivated, but they could have just like not reactivated that and just changed the name to something else, so wow. that would be a whole other investigation. Yeah. Well, in 1944, a special committee on the non-terrestrial science technology, it's like the IPU. The FDR sent a memo to them to re research to this group had to wait because of the war and the atomic bomb program. Then in 1947, Oppenheimer-Eisenhower draft. This was a special ramifications of alien problem, defense implications, legal pre predicaments. And <clears throat> well, I have the top secret, a copy of it. It's drafted June 1947. Relationships with inhabitants of celestial bodies. Relationships with extraterrestrial men presents no basically new problem from the standpoint of the international law. But the possibility of confronting intelligent beings that do not belong to the human race would bring up problems whose solution it is difficult to conceive. In principle, there is no difficulty in accepting the possibility of coming to an understanding with them and of establishing all kinds of relationships. The difficulty lies in trying to establish the principles on which these relationships should be based. In the first place, it would be necessary to establish communication with them through some language or other, and afterwards, as a first condition for all intelligence, that they should have a psycho psychology similar to that of men. At any rate, international law should make place for a new law on a different basis, and it might be called law among planetary peoples. Following the guidelines found in the international law to the point where it would be capable of coping with new situations would compel us to make a change in its structure, a change so basic that it would no longer be international law, that is to say, as it is conceived today, but something altogether different so that it could no longer bear the same name. If these intelligent beings were in possession of a more or less culture and a more or less perfect political organization, they would have the, an absolute right to be recognized as independent and sovereign peoples. We would have to come to an agreement with them to establish the legal regulations upon which future relationships would be based, and it would be necessary to accept many of their principles. Finally, if they should reject all peaceful cooperation and become an imminent threat to the earth, we would have the right to legitimate defense, but only insofar as would be necessary to annul this danger. Another possibility may exist that a species of Homo sapiens might have established themselves as an independent nation on another celestial body in our solar system and evolved culturally independently from ours. Obviously, this possibility depends on many circumstances whose conditions cannot yet be foreseen. However, we can make a study of the basis on which such a thing might have occurred. In the first place, living conditions on these bodies let us, let's say the moon or the planet Mars, would have to be such as to permit a stable and to a certain extent independent life from an economic standpoint. <clears throat> Excuse me. Much has been speculated about the possibilities for life existing outside of our atmosphere, atmosphere and beyond. Always hypothetically, and there are those who go so far as to give formulas for the creation of an artificial atmosphere on the moon which undoubtedly has a certain scientific foundation and which may one day come to light. Let's assume that magnesium silicates on the moon may exist and contain up to 13% water. Using energy and machines brought to the moon, perhaps from a space station, the rocks could be broken up, pulverized, and then baked to drive off the water of crystallization. This could be collected and then decomposed into hydrogen and oxygen using an electric current or the short wave radiation of the sun. 
The oxygen couldn't be used for breathing purposes. The hydrogen might be used as fuel. In any case, if no existence is possible in celestial bodies except for enterprises for the exploration of their natural riches, with a continuous interchange of the men who work on them and able to establish themselves there indefinitely and be able to live isolated life, independence will never take place. Now we come to the problem of determining what to do if the inhabitants of celestial bodies or extraterrestrial biological entities desire to settle here. 1. If they are politically organized and possesses a certain culture similar to our own, they may be recognized as an independent people. They could consider what degree of development would be required on Earth for colonizing. 2. If they consider our culture to be a devoid of political unity, they would have the right to colonize. Of course, this colonization cannot be conducted on classic lines. A superior form of colonizing will have to be conceived that would be a kind of tutelage, possibly through the tactic approval of the United Nations. But would the United Nations legally have the right of allowing such tutelage over us in such a fashion. Some of this writing is hard to read, it's blurred, so bear with me. Although the United Nations is an international organization, there is no doubt that it would have no right of tutelage, since its domain does not extend beyond relationships between its members. It would have the right to intervene only if the relationships of a member nation with a celestial body affected another member nation with an extraterrestrial people is beyond the domain of the United Nations. But if their relationships entailed a conflict with another member nation, the United Nations would have the right to intervene. If the United Nations were a supranational organization, it would have competency to deal with all problems related to extraterrestrial peoples. Of course, even though it is merely an international organization, it could have this competence if its member states would be willing to recognize it. It is difficult to predict what the attitude of international law will be with regard to the occupation by celestial peoples of certain locations on our planet. But the only thing that can be foreseen is that there will be a profound change in traditional concepts, sorry. We cannot exclude the possibility that a race of extraterrestrial people more advanced technology and economically may take upon itself the right to occupy another celestial body. How then would this occupation come about? The idea of exploitation by one celestial state would be rejected. They may think it they may think it would be advisable to grant it to all others capable of reaching another celestial body, but this would be a maintain a situation of privilege for these states. The division of a celestial body into zones and the distribution of them among other celestial states, this would present the problem of distribution. Moreover, other celestial states would be deprived of the possibility of owning an area or if they were granted one, it would involve complicated operations. Indivisible co-sovereignty given each celestial state the right to make whatever use is most convenient to the, its interests independently of another. This would create a situation of anarchy. The strongest one would be when out in the end. A moral entity? The most feasible solution it Seem would be this one, submit an agreement providing for the peaceful absorption of a celestial race in such a manner that our culture would remain intact with guarantees that their presence not be rebuilt. Okay, see right here it says, to me that says they're going to keep it a secret. Mm -hmm. Actually, we do not believe it necessary to go that far. It would merely be a matter of internationalizing celestial peoples and creating an international treaty instru instrument preventing exploitation of all nations belonging to the United Nations. Occupation by states here on earth which has lost all interest for international law since there were no more Grasmulius territories 
is beginning to regain all its importance in the cosmic international law. Occupation consists in the appropriation by a state of brass nullius, and I have no idea what that means. Until the last century, occupation was the normal means of acquiring sovereignty over territories when explorations made possible the discovery of new regions, either uninhabited or in an elementary state of civilization. The imperialist expansion of the states come to an end with the end of regions capable of being occupied, which have now been drained from the earth and exist only in interplanetary space where the celestial states present new problems. Res nullius is something that belongs to nobody such as the moon. In the international law, a celestial body is not subject to the sovereignty of any state that is considered res nullius. If it could be established that a celestial body within our solar system, such as our moon was, or is occupied by another celestial race, there could be no claim of rest nullius by any state on Earth. If that state should decide in the future to send explorers to lay claim to it, it would exist as rest omnius, that is, that all celestial states have their same rights over it. And now to the final question of whether the presence of celestial astroplanes in our atmosphere is a direct result of our testing atomic weapons. The presence of unidentified spacecraft flying in our atmosphere and possibly maintaining orbits about our planet is now, however, as de facto by our military. On every question of whether the United States will continue testing of fission bombs and develop fusion devices, hydrogen bombs, or reach an agreement to disarm and the exclusion of weapons that are too destructive with the ex exception of chemical warfare on which by some miracle we cannot explain, an agreement has been reached that in limitations of philosophers, efforts of politicians, and the conferences of diplomats have been doomed to failure and have accomplished nothing. The use of the atomic bomb, atomic bomb combined with space vehicles poses a threat on a scale which makes it absolutely necessary to come to an agreement in this area. With the appearance of unidentified space vehicles over the skies of Europe and the United States has sustained an ineradicable fear and anxiety about security that is driving the great powers to make an effort to find a solution to the threat. Military strategists foresee the use of spacecraft with nu nuclear warheads as the ultimate weapon of war, even the development of artificial satellites for intel intelligence gathering and target selection is not far off. The military importance of space vehicles, satellites as well as rockets is indisputable, since they project war from the horizontal plane to the vertical plane in its fullest sense. Attack no longer comes from a an exclusive direction or from a determined country, but from the sky, with the particular impossibility of determining who the aggressor is, how to intercept the attack, or how to effect immediate reprisals. These problems are compounded further by identification. How does the air defense radar operator identify, or more precisely, classify his target? At present, we can breathe a little easier knowing that slow-moving bombers are the mode of delivery of atomic bombs that can be detected by long-range early warning radar. But what do we do in, let's say, 10 years from now, when artificial satellites and missiles find their place in space, we must consider the potential threat that unidentified spacecraft pose. One must consider the fact that misidentification of these spacecraft for an intercontinental missile in a re-entry phase of flight could lead to accidental nuclear war with horrible consequences. Lastly, we should consider the possibility that our atmospheric test of late could have influenced the arrival of celestial scrutiny. They could have been curious or even alarmed by such activity, and rightly so, for the Russians would make every effort to observe and record such tests. In conclusion, it is our professional opinion based on submitted data that this situation is extremely perilous and measures must be taken to rectify a very serious problem 
are very apparent. Respectively, Dr. J. Robert Oppenheimer, Director of Advanced Studies, Princeton, New Jersey, Professor Albert Einstein, Princeton, New Jersey. Now see, Oppenheimer again. Yeah. Yep. I mean, my, my take on this, I mean, everything in there is interesting, but if this was a fake, somebody went through a, a lot. whole lot of research and study and writing just to put out a fake document. Yeah, but then at the bottom here it says, Myself and Marshall have read this and I must admit there is some logic, but I have... It's hard to read it because it says, but I something think the president will consider it for obvious reasons. I understand Oppenheimer approached Marshall while they attended ceremony at somewhere. As I understand it, Marshall rebuffed the idea of Oppenheimer discussing this with the president. So, I mean, somebody's read it. Well, a lot, I mean, a lot of people has, but again, I mean, if, they, if it was... If it's fake, that's just too much time. Just put a fake thing out. Most people would have done like one page, and that been it. But the basis of this is like uh, allowing the aliens to live among us, what it would be like, the safety from them if they try to do something. So, okay, how he's talking about like you know would they be get citizenship to America like if they wanted to live here? So does that mean if in the, if one of those aliens came here into the United States? quote unquote illegally and try to take residence they would still be called an illegal alien <laughs> yeah that's funny <laughs> oh I like oh, that okay. back on the series oh part. but that was a lot of reading <laughs> oh yeah um okay where did we leave off July 4th 1947 Bush writes a memo to Truman need a joint body of the different committees out of the IPU the this provided the basis for the Majestic 12. On September 11, 1947, Admiral Roscoe H. Hillencotter writes a memo for Magic about captured and recovered craft. September 24, 1947, a memo to Secretary of State James Forrestal where it states Truman officially names Operation Majestic 12 SOMI-01 which is the manual foundation date of the Majestic 12 November 5th 1961 Alan W. Dulles lawyer and diplomat first civilian director of Central Intelligence he wrote a review of the Majestic 12 he was aware of the program and knew its workings this could be true because a lot of the directors of Central Intelligence were members of the Majestic 12. Okay, they had disinformation campaign. On September 19, 1963, Menzel received a letter from Helen Cotter congratulating him on his disinformation campaign. And then there was a burned memo. As far as we know, there's no pictures to show that this is a true member memo. We don't know if it is possibly true or not. We couldn't find anything any pictures or anything of the memo. This was possibly from Hill and Cotter, J1, to other members. It was referenced to other projects, and it was said this memo was written on the original onion skin paper and the red ink from the time period, and this was forensically verified. And it also had the rare counterintelligence stamp, so this has a very high confidence rating of us being true. Even though we didn't find it or just look in the right spots trying to find it it's probably out there somewhere probably but I mean where we got all, like most of the other ones off the FBI website from you know that Freedom of Information Act you, you, you think it would have been there or if it was just too uh, burned up and only little pieces left of it then I can see not putting it up there yeah then you got the Hill and Cotter memo a memo that mentions the Majestic 12 he briefed Eisenhower on, on the Roswell crash and alien contact. Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. It is supposedly where the bodies and wreckage from Roswell crash was taken. Later, all UFOs and other alien-related items from all over the world were taken to an underground storage facility built on Edwards Air Force Base. 
So, I mean, right there, that's just saying Rex and aliens from all over the world. So they pro most likely do. If it's in other countries, yeah, they they got people, yeah. or you could go as far as say as men in black in every country. But is this disinformation? Or that not? could be. Um, maintains radio contact with aliens, but if like from the stuff we've read, I mean, why would you have to maintain alien radio contact with them if they're here in underground bases? Have no idea. Maybe other other ones coming in, landing, taking off. Who knows? Um, it also possesses spaceships from other worlds, which in my opinion that'd be sweet to see. Yeah. Nineteen seventy-two to seventy-three, a secret test center in Nevada called Area S Four is an underground facilities built for the Greys. And S4, I believe, it's right on the outside of Area 51. Um, the technology could only be operated by the Greys to prevent the technology used against them. So they were afraid we were going to attack them with their own technology. Mm -hmm. Another underground base was built at the Ice Caves in New Mexico. And four other secret underground <laughs> facilities were built for the Greys. The only thing I can state is... Don't try to go to these places because it is government property and the outcome probably will not be good for you. You never know what you're going to find. <clears throat> well, not what you're going to find. It's what's going to find you. Or what's going to come out after you. Or okay. who's going to have a gun at you. From 1979 to 1983, things were not going as agreed. In the, the treaty, they were only allowed to take so many people while they were taking more people then they were being listed. In 1979, the Greys implanted tiny probes in certain abductees before releasing them. They were placed in the brain. It was to monitor and program the person. Then some abductees were programmed with hypnotic commands, and some were implanted with tracking devices under the skin. These could not be removed or deprogrammed because it would cause deadly effects to the people. And also, Gray's crossbred experiments on some female abductees, so there could be half human and half aliens out there somewhere. Well, some of the theories, especially um, Zachariah Sitchin's in his uh, Earth Chronicles, uh, that's how we came to be, was we were crossbred with an alien race called the Anunnaki. Okay. The documents are suspected of being false. One reason is the incorrect use of military terms. Another cannot find an executive order from the Majestic 12. No link between Truman mentioning Majestic 12 in his letters to UFO investigations. Many reports come in question when looked into. Four years after discovery of the documents, the government reviewed them and marked them as bogus. They, I mean, they wrote bogus in big black letters right across of it. And some of the, you can still see some of the photo scans of it after they did that on the FBI website. I mean, there, there was lots of them. Um, we, we looked at a majority of them and, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot. So feel free to go, go on there and, and look for them. Or I'm sure there's other hundred websites that has them on there too. Okay, from what we're going to call credited documents, is um, memos from General Nathan F. Twinning, a Majestic 12 member. Several FBI investigations into the 1980s files led them to believe there could be a Majestic 12 program being kept secret. There are so many secret government levels that the government isn't aware of. So you got government officials creating other levels of secrecy that other members of the government has no idea about. So I mean, would the men in black? Well, <laughs> not only that, it's like, you know, is there even groups that the president himself doesn't even know about that exists? I mean, from what we've seen, there's. I mean, there could be like thousands of different groups and committees and uh, security clearance levels and who knows what that the government knows. I mean, it, it's just a lot. Okay, the Magi split because of the grace. And one part of it 
is responsible responsible for leaking the information about the Majestic 12. The other part denied them, and under the Star Wars program, the second part of the split developed a weapon to use against the Greys. <clears throat> this is a very interesting part we found out. The United States and the then Soviet Union were allies since 1983. The SDI is a weapon to use against the Greys in underground facilities and from space. The United States had to make it look like they were developing this weapon to use against the Soviet Union so they could still receive fundings. The then Soviet Union has a program, well has or had, like the same one the United States had. Well, I mean, that makes sense. Keep the funding. You treat, you have your allies act like your enemies, so you continue getting the funding so you guys can work together to basically protect the planet from aliens. I mean, how many uh, people out there are going to sit there and be like, oh yeah, I'll give you all this money for to protect us from aliens when like half the population don't even believe in them? You might wonder how many other countries aliens went to and, and made an agreement with them saying they were the only ones that had this agreement. I mean, but assuming that the, you know, aliens are true and most of this stuff happened, I mean, we don't know nothing about them, you know, for for all we know, they don't know what lying is, and that could just be part of their thing, and they can just be working with everybody on this planet against everybody, and just sitting up there laughing at us when we're fighting over it. Yep, we could be puppets to their entertainment. Or cattle, because of the whole probing. Yeah. Okay, some believe the Majestic 12 continues today. Bill Hamilton says he has identified today's members, and... He is one of the most famous and longest service in the service of USO researchers. From 1961 to 1965, he served on the U.S. Air Force Security Services, and he had his first UFO experience in, in the 1950s. Excuse me. Most of the people on the Majestic 12 are Americans. They are major power brokers that manipulate events to gain world power. Some say they were involved in Kennedy's murder because he was going to reveal the truth. They also back-engineered UFOs, and some believe they have committed criminal acts like murder to maintain secu security, and some think they control the international drug trafficking to cover the cost of this program. Now, going back to the part where they back-engineered UFOs, um, that's what... Uh the one guy that came out about it, uh, Bob Lazar, he uh, was hired to back engineer, and we we will be doing a future episode, you know, about Bob Lazar and S4 and everything else. So stay in contact with us, and we'll let you know more about that. Um, the Majestic 12 today. Is detached from government oversight, so they just kind of broke away. And, they just do whatever they want to. Yeah, they're on their own free will now. They're more independence. The supposedly the program continues, and most likely not going by Majestic Twelve anymore. They I mean they probably under something other, or they don't even use a name just to keep it totally secret. They are hiding in plain sight, which is by far the best place to hide. And they got what is called the Good Old Boys Network. And that probably means that they have a group of people that they can control and they can do whatever they want to. It's like Good Old Boys Network. Reliable, documented UFO activity by some of the Majestic 12 members. Vandenberg when he was director of Central Intelligence in 1946, he oversaw investigations into ghost rockets in Europe. That's your thing. Uh, that's what I would think. He wrote intelligence memos on this. When he was an Air Force Chief of Staff, along with 20, he oversaw UFO investigations. He made some public statements on UFOs. But, like, from what we've seen, almost all public mentions of UFOs from military personnel has always like been con or uh, how they say it, like taken back or something you know make, trying they to retracted, make, their yeah, statements. retracted their statements Hill and Cotter 
He was on the board of directors for NICAP, a civilian organization that is very powerful. In 1961, he made public statements on UFOs to Congress. And there are other examples of reliable documented UFO activity. Okay, here are the original members of the Majestic 12. Rear Admiral Roscoe H. Hillencotter, Dr. Vinever Bush, James Forrestal, which is about this guy, he was found dead in 1949 of a questionable death. They said it was suicide, but some believe it wasn't. So then he was replaced by General Walter B. Smith in 1950. Then there's General Nathan Twinning, General Hoyt Vandenberg, General Robert M. Montag, Dr. Jerome Hunsacker, Gordon Gray. That's funny, Gordon Gray. <laughs> Sounds like a superhero name. Yeah. Dr. Donald Manzel, Dr. Detlev Bronk, and Dr. Lloyd Berkner. So these are like a lot of military people on here. And doctors. And doctors. Scientists. Well, that's probably what the doctor was, a scientist. Yeah. And is the government keeping secrets from us? Of course they are. I mean, now don't get me wrong. I don't believe we need to know every little bit that the government's doing. Like, you know, some things happening that has no impact on us. By all means, don't tell us. I, I don't care. But there's some things like, if it is true, I would love you know to, to know about it. Okay, a lot of the programs came out of the Majestic 12, and we will discuss them in later episodes. Alright, and for the ending of this episode, I got a paper that was written by Milton William Cooper in 1989. If you don't know who he is, he was the author of the book Behold a Pale Horse, which is a really good book, and I suggest anybody to read it. So just bear with me. I'm going to, you know, read this that he wrote. Okay, it's called Operation Majority by Milton William Cooper. You have my permission to quote from this information in press releases, periodicals, and speeches. Inclusion in any other media requires my express written permission. This file contains the absolute true information regarding the alien presence on Earth and the U.S. government's involvement with the aliens. This file contains only the information as I saw it and only my information. It does not contain any information from any other source. It was necessary for me to issue the information previous to this release in a manner which would deceive the government until someone was able to independently confirm my identity my employment, my service record, my intelligence background, the identity of the person to which I gave the information to in 1972, his acknowledgement of the information and when it was given to him, that the information is correct that I have not seen him since 1974 and that I have not communicated with him in any form since 1976. This was necessary because this file is my death warrant if MJ-12 continues to operate in a manner consistent with its history. All in the last paragraph has been independent, independently verified by two different people who have no connection with each other. I will only list one for obvious reasons. Tony Pelham, journalist, Las Vegas Bullet, newspaper, 300 West Boston, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89102. The original information that I first released was not much different than what you will find here. Only some names were different and just enough, I hoped, to convince MJ-12 and Magi that I was not a threat long enough to have independent verification of the facts before I risked death. I wish to make it absolutely clear that I do not consider myself a hero. I believe that most of you would do the same thing if you knew the truth. I give an oath that I would uphold and protect the Constitution of the United States of America, and I take that oath very seriously. I am doing no more now than I did when I fought in Vietnam. I am doing my duty. Please make copies of this file and send it to your congressman, your senator, the attorney general of the United States, and to the Supreme Court. 
Send it also to everyone you know. Attach copies of the Bill English file and John Lear's file. Send every, anything else you may have which tends to support this information. I, Milton William Cooper, 1311 South Highland, number 205, Fullerton, California, 92632. Do solemnly swear that the information contained in this file is true and correct to the best of my knowledge. I swear that I saw this information in 1972 in the perf performance of my duties as a member of the intelligence briefing team of the Commander-in-Chief of the Pacific Fleet as a petty officer in the U.S. Navy. I swear that I underwent hypnotic regression in order to make this information as accurate as possible. I swear that I can and will take a lie detector test or any other test by any reputable person's choosing in order to confirm this information. I swear that I can, can and will undergo hypnotic regression conducted by any reputable and qualified doctor of any reputable person's choosing in order to confirm this information. I will not, however, submit to any test or hypnosis by anyone who is now or has ever been connected with the government in any capacity for obvious reasons. The following is brief listing of everything that I personally saw and know from 1972 and does not contain any input from any other source whatsoever. Majesty was listed as the code word for the President of the United States for communications concerning this information. Operation Majority is the name of the operation responsible for every aspect, project, and consequence of alien presence on Earth. Grudge contains 16 volumes of documented information collected from the beginning of the United States investigation of the unidentified flying objects or UFOs and identified alien craft IACs. The project was funded by CIA confidential funds, non-appropriated, and money from the illicit drug trade. Participation in the illegal drug trade was justified in that it would identify and eliminate the weak elements of our society. The purpose of Project Grudge was to collect all scientific technology, medical and intelligence information from UFO IAC sightings in contacts with alien life forms. This orderly file of collected information has been used to advance the United States space program. <clears throat> MJ-12 is the name of the secret control group. President Dwight D. Eisenhower commissioned a secret society known as the Jason Society, Jason Scholars, to sift through all the facts, evidence, technology, lies, and deceptions and find the truth of the alien question. The society was made up of 32 of the most prominent men in the country in 1972 and the top 12 members were designated MJ-12. MJ-12 has total control of everything. They are designated by the code J1, J2, J3, etc. All the way through the members of the Jason Society. The director of the CIA was appointed J1 and is the director of MJ-12. MJ-12 is responsible only to the president. MJ-12 runs most of the world's illicit drug trade. This was done to hide funding and thus keep the secret from the Congress and the people of the United States. It was justified in that it would identify and eliminate the weak elements of our society. The cost of funding the alien-connected projects is higher than anything you can imagine. MJ-12 assassinated President Kennedy when he, when he informed him that he was going to tell the public all the facts of the alien presence. He was killed by the Secret Service agent driving his car and it is plainly visible in the film held from public view. A secret meeting place was constructed for MJ-12 in Maryland and it is described as being accessible only by air. It contains full living recreational and other facilities for MJ-12 and adjacent society. It is codenamed The Country Club. Only those persons with a top secret slash magic security clearance are allowed to go there. Magi is the majority agency for joint intelligence. All information, disinformation, and intelligence is gathered and evaluated by this agency. This agency is responsible for all disinformation and operates in conjunction with the CIA, NSA, and the Defense Intelligence Agency. This is a very powerful organization and all alien projects are under its control. MAGI is responsible only to MJ-12. SIGMA is the project which first established communication with the aliens and is still responsible for communications. 
Plato is thus project responsible for diplomatic relations with the aliens. This project secured a formal treaty, illegal under the Constitution, with the aliens. The terms were that the aliens would give us technology in return. We agree to keep their presence on Earth a secret, not to interfere in any way with their actions, and to allow them to abduct humans and animals. The aliens agreed to furnish MJ-12 with a list of abductees on a periodic basis. MAGIC is the security classification and clearance of all alien connected material projects and information. MAGIC means MAGI controlled. <coughs> Excuse me. Aquarius is a project which compiled the history of alien presence and their interactions with Homo sapiens upon the planet for the last 25,000 years and culminating with the Basque people who live in the mountainous country on the border of France, Spain, and the Syrians. Garnet is the project responsible for control of all information and documents regarding this subject and accountability of the information and these documents. Pluto is a project to evaluate all UFO IAC information pertaining to space technology. Pounce is the project formed to recover all down crashed crafts and aliens. Red Light is the project to test fly recovered alien craft. It is conducted at Area 51 Dreamland in Nevada. It was aided when the aliens gave us craft and helped us fly them. The initial project was somehow successful in that we flew a recovered craft but it blew up in the air and the pilots were killed. The project was suspended at the time until the aliens agreed to help us. Snowbird was established as a cover for Project Red Light. Several flying saucer type craft were built using conventional technology. They were unveiled to the press and flown in front of the press. The purpose was to explain accidental sightings or disclosure of Red Light as having been the Snowbird craft. Luna is the alien base on the far side of the moon. It was seen and filmed by the Apollo astronauts. A base, a mining operation using very large machines and the very large alien craft which have been described in various sighting reports as motherships are based there. NRO is the National Reconnaissance Organization based at Fort Carson, Colorado. It is responsible for security for all alien or alien craft connected projects. Delta is the designation for the specific arm of the NRO which is especially trained and tasked with security of these projects. Joshua is a project to help a low is a project to develop a low frequency pulse sound generating weapon. It was said that this weapon would be effective against the alien craft and beam weapons. Excalibur is a weapon to destroy the alien underground bases. It is to be a missile capable of penetrating 1,000 meters of tufa or hard-packed soil such as that found in New Mexico with no operational damage. Missile Apogee not to exceed 30,000 feet AGL and impact must not deviate in excess of 50 meters from designated target. The device will carry a 1 megaton nuclear warhead. Aliens there were four types of aliens mentioned in the papers. A large nose gray, with whom we have the treaty, the gray reported in abductee cases that works for the large nose grays, a blonde human-like type described as the Nordic, and a red-haired human-like type called the Orange. The home planets of the aliens are described as being a star in the constellation of Orion, Barnard Star, and Zeta Reticuli. 1 and 2. I cannot remember, even under hypnosis, which aliens belong to which star. EBE is the name or designation given to the live alien captured at the 1949 Roswell crash. He died in captivity. KRLL or Krill or CRLL or CRLLL, pronounced Krill or Krill, was the hostage left with us at the first Holloman landing as a pledge with, that the aliens would carry out their part of the base agreement reached during the meeting. Krill gave us foundation of the Yellow Book which was completed by the guest at a later date. Krill became sick and was nursed by Dr. G. Mendoza who became the expert on alien biology and medicine. Krill later died. His information was disseminated under the pseudonym O.H. Krill or Krill. 
guests were aliens exchanged for humans who gave us the balance of the yellow book. At the time, I saw the information there were only three left alive. They were called ALFs, alien life forms. Religion. The aliens claim to have created Homo sapiens through hybridization. The paper said that RH negative blood was proof of this. They further claim to have created all of our major religions. They showed a hologram of the crucifixion of Christ, which the government filmed. They claim that Jesus the Christ was created by them. Alien bases exist in the four corners of area of Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, and Nevada. Six bases were described in the 1972 papers, all on Indian reservations and all in the four corner areas. The base near Dulce was one of them. Murder. The documents stated that many military and government personnel had been terminated, murdered, executed without due process of law when they had attempted to reveal the secrets of the aliens. Craft recoveries. The documents stated that many craft had been recovered. The early ones from Roswell, Aztec, Roswell again, Texas, Mexico, and other places. General Doolittle made a prediction that one day we would have to reckon with the aliens and the document stated that it appeared that General Doolittle was correct. Abductions were occurred long before 1972. The document stated that humans and animals were being abducted and or mutilated. Many vanished without a trace. They were taking sperm and ova samples, tissues, performed surgical operations, and planted a spherical device 40 to 80 microns in size near the optic nerve in the brain. And all attempts to remove it resulted in the death of the patient. The document estimated that one in every 40 people had been implanted. This implant was said to give the aliens total control of that human. Contingency plan should the information become public or should the aliens attempt takeover. This plan called for a public announcement that a terrorist group had entered the United States with an atomic weapon. It would be announced that the terrorists planned to detonate the weapon in a major city. Martial law would be declared and all persons with implants would be rounded up along with all dissidents and would be placed into concentration camps. The press, radio, and TV would be nationalized and controlled. Anyone attempting to resist would be arrested and or killed. Con contingency plan to contain or delay release of information. This plan called for the use of Majestic 12 as a disinformation ploy to delay and confuse the release of information should anyone get close to the truth. It the name Majestic 12 was selected because of the similarity of spelling and the similarity to MJ-12. It was designated to confuse memory and to result in a fruitless search for material which did not exist. Source of material contained in the documents which I saw. The source of the material was an Oni counterintelligence operations against MJ-12. In order for the Navy to find out the truth of what was really going on, the Navy at that time, or at least the Navy that I worked for, was not a participant in any of this. The different services and the government conduct this type of operation against each other all, all the time. The result of this operation was that the Navy cut themselves in for a piece of the action technology and control of, excuse me, in control of some projects. As you can see. This file is only a little different from my previous file. Only some names were scrambled previously to confuse the government long enough for some to verify that what I have said is the truth. I have added information in this file that puts my life in absolute danger. I have sent a copy of this file to people all over the country and will continue to do so. Please get this file into many hands as you can and maybe that will protect me, but I doubt it. History will be the judge of me, and this information and I have no fear of that judgment. I swear that this information is true and correct to the best of my knowledge. I wish to thank all those people who have aided me in reaching this point and for their patience and understanding. I owe you all more than I can ever repay. Finally, it does not matter who is right and who is wrong or if a project name is in the wrong place. It does not matter who is working for who or what is really what. It should be obvious by now that something sinister and terrible, terribly wrong is going on involving the government and the UFO phenomenon. We must all band together and expose it now. I have done my part in the best manner that I could. 
I can add nothing else except my testimony in Congress or a court of law that what I saw and have written in this file is true and that is that I saw it. Everything in my previous file that does not conflict with this file is true and correct to the best of my knowledge and some of it is from sources and research. You may combine the files to get the entire picture. Throw out only the information which conflicts with that contained in this file. There will be no further additions or corrections to this information neither now or in the future. My file is complete and stands to be judged by history. Sometime in the future the exact papers that I saw will surface and you will all see this exact information contained within them. Milton William Cooper Alright then. <clears throat> One question I have is what gives the government the right to uh, control humans like that? To decide who can go with the aliens and who can get killed or whatever. Well, governments in the history, like in, in any history in any country, have done that. There's always been a hierarchy, and whoever's ruling it or the group ruling it or whatever has always decided for what was in the quote unquote best interest for the people. Yeah, but they wouldn't like it if their family got abducted. You never know, they probably like it. Yeah, well, yeah. Alright then. Well, that is concluding. Episode three, the Majestic Twelve. We hope you enjoys. We hope you guys enjoyed this, and it is by far our longest episode to date. So until next time, we just hope you enjoy your day.